Hello and welcome to another episode of What to Watch on Netflix. My name is Jed Shepard, your host, and I'm joined today by Elida Naylor. Um, hi, Jed. Hi. Um, how do you want to be introduced? You're a journalist and former arts editor of the Moscow Times. That's correct. Yeah, that'll be fine. That's cool. <laughs> and Elida's here to help me choose some films um, to watch on Netflix or any other streaming format. Um, as you probably can guess from the previous episode, um, it's not just Netflix we concentrate on. It's any streaming platform or any way you can get it online, really, um, illegally. Legally. Um, so <laughs> legally. Legally, that's the one. Um, so um, the format is you choose three films, TV shows or documentaries, anything you like really, and we take it in turns to present it to each other. And then I do a mini episode in between where I watch everything that you've told me to watch and then I comment on it uh, without you being there so I can say if it's bad or good. Um, shall I go first, Lida? Um, sure, yeah, go first. Cool, okay. So my first choice of what to watch on Netflix isn't anywhere near Netflix. It's only available on YouTube. Do not think YouTube is only there for kind of cat videos and five-year-olds opening up uh, toy toys and, and presents and stuff like that. It's also a, a valuable resource for watching out-of-print films, rare films that you might not see um, on DVD or on other streaming platforms, uh, films that might not ne necessarily have the best copyrights um, on them so they can be streamed on a free service. So this film that I'm about to tell you about is called Times Square and it's from 1980 and the director is Alan Moyle and have you heard of the film Times Square? I haven't, I've never seen it or heard of it. Well it is a film, it's kind of strange because I hadn't heard of it before but I, I read a lot of lists, film lists of film, essential films, cult films uh, to watch and especially about music and this one is about a punk band and it's about it's kind of the, the best all of my kind of theories about women and girls all in one film so th this film what is your a, theories about women and girls jed well as i describe this film you can see how these two girls in particular kind of fall into the bracket of my perfect kind of girls so these two girls meet in a mental institution <laughs> and um they basically form a punk band one of them's really kind of bad a bad girl who wears a leather jacket the other girl's very prissy a little bit younger and whose parents just want her to be better the other girl doesn't really have parents and they're kind of uh, she never had parents i i don't know she was found in the box um, in, at a punk gig or How something did she come into being <laughs> i don't know but um she seems kind of wise beyond her years even though i think one of the, the one of the girls is like 14 the other girls is like 16 but she seems to be wise beyond her years okay. um and they're in this mental institution for various different reasons and they find an attraction towards each other because they're kind of into music so they decide to form this punk band without knowing anything about uh, musical instruments um, and so they run away from this mental institution and they go on the run into New York and coincidentally they're both obsessed with this uh, radio show um, on New York radio and the DJ's Tim Curry which makes it, makes it awesome. Um, this is oh. <laughs> Tim Curry before he kind of did anything you would have really heard about it because this, this was 1980 okay. and he develops a friendship with these girls where they start making songs and he plays these really scratchy demos on his massive radio show and they it forms a cult around them so they're these two girls on the run from their parents from the police because they start stealing stuff um yet there's there's this cult that builds up around them um 
And to make money, because they're not making any money from the music, they go to the strip club and decide to strip um, for for money, basically. And don't forget, they're like 14 and 16. Mm-hmm. And um, in the strip club, they decide they're not going to strip. They're actually going to play their punk music in this in this strip club. And for some reason, the, the, the people who go to strip clubs are fine with this. So they, they play punk and all the kind of uh, people there love it. And... The soundtrack to this film is is incredible. It has all the kind of music you'd expect from the late seventies, early eighties, Roxy music, things like that. Um, and it's just a real bizarre film, which would never be able to be made now. Um, and I don't know anyone who's seen it, but because I love old kind of music based films, um, I think this is a real oddity. And it's no wonder it hasn't come out on on DVD or, or Blu-ray or anything like that, or, or on any streaming service, because it's it's completely bizarre. You're kind of um, conjuring up images of um, Girl Interrupted combined with something like yes. a rags to riches Cinderella story of, uh, revolving around kind of cheesy pop groups. So That's right. It is, is kind of both of those combined? It is, basically. It's a bit like Girl Interrupted if Ange- the character, Angelina Jolie's character from there was combined with a character from Hackers. <laughs> <laughs> Girls on the run, um, kind of um, beaten authority uh, as they go. Um, but it's a really, really good film. And um, I don't know why it's not more well known um it could be because the soundtrack's so good it'd be really really hard to have the music um to get the license for all all that music um which is a bit like something else (laughs) that we're coming up to a bit later um but where can you find this go to youtube type in Times square 1980 and you can watch it for free right now it's 90 minutes long it's uh, not a hard watch it's bizarre it is a bizarre film but anything with tim curry in it it gets me going. This is pre Pennywise, um, the clown from It, uh, pre when he was the butler in Clue. So this is Tim Curry before he kind of reached the the heady heights he eventually reached. It's him just being a little bit of a pervy kind of a New York DJ, and I'm into that. I'm into that. I can see him doing that well. <laughs> yeah, he really, really does. And having done radio myself before, trying to find. Uh, kind of like random little bands is what keeps a, a DJ going, finding something that no one else has kind of discovered. So I kind of empathise with this film quite a lot. But yeah, that's my pick. Are you going to watch this based on, on my... Uh, I am going to watch summary. it. Do I get to come back and talk about it the same way that you're going to do with the films that I've Eventually, eventually you can the next time <laughs> you're on and you have, have more picks. Uh, but that was Times Square. Um, what's your first pick? Okay, well, um, I might perhaps predictably go for a Russian film to start with. Naturally. The other two won't be. Yeah. Um, it will be Yelena by Andrei Zvyagintsev. Um, he's perhaps best known for Leviathan, which was Oscar nominated in 2015. Incredible film. Yeah. It is. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Also very depressing. Uh, yeah, it's a wonderful film. Um, it wasn't quite as well received in Russia as it was abroad. I can imagine, um, yeah. For possibly obvious reasons. Um, and he was also quite well known for Vazrashenya, which means the return. And that was, I think, in 2003. Okay. Um, was the return about um, people coming back from the dead? No, no. Oh, that's a French film. I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the one that I wanted to talk about was uh, Yelena, um, which was, it came out in 2012, I think. Okay. Um, and it's a very bleak picture of Muscovite's existence. Um, and it doesn't matter which level I suppose you're on whether you're quite rich or whether you're quite poor um I mean the majority of people there are I'm guessing quite poor more poor than rich yeah. yeah um 
and it's a very bleak picture of the questionable moral choices that people make at all levels of society, mm -hmm. but also what poverty drives people to do. So it starts off, I suppose, being about this um, woman, maybe in her 50s or in her 60s, mm -hmm. um, and she marries a man who she has been nursing, so he's quite a wealthy businessman, and she has a son from a previous marriage who her new husband doesn't really get on with because he considers him to be a freeloader. Okay. Um, and so it's about the choices that each of them make to try and hold their families together. Um, it sounds quite depressing. It is. <laughs> if you've seen Leviathan, it's about yeah. as bleak as Leviathan. I mean, he's not well known for creating happy pictures. Uh, um, would you find uh, living in, in Russia for a bunch of time and working for Moscow Times, do you find a lot of Russian films, because, I mean, my, my impression of Russia is quite bleak anyway. Like, um, Is that reflected in the films that they produce? Um. You can't say that about all films as a whole, I find. Okay. I mean, some are quite interesting. There's a fantastic director called Alina Rudnitskaya. Um, she did a wonderful film about the inside of a Russian blood bank wow, okay. um, sometime last year or the year before. Um, and it wasn't exactly bleak, but it was just really, really fascinating, a really detailed documentary and quite beautiful in the okay. way it was shot. Um, but then there are equally kind of harrowing films that have been released over the past few decades. I was a big fan of Malinke Vera, which is means little Vera. Okay, little Vera. <laughs> sounds sounds good. Um and it's about a teenage girl kind of struggling with what to do with her life in the I guess pre-Soviet collapse period. Okay. So there's a lot of disillusionment, a lot of loss of faith. Um it's a very kind of all of the images from it are very industrial. Um, is there anything like mean girls? No, I can no. safely say it's probably nothing like Mean Girls. It could be the opposite of Mean Girls. Okay, it sounds it sounds very very serious and once again quite bleak. Well, this is it's this kind of comedic, yeah, but not in the Mean Girls way, and it's kind of kind of like nihilistic sort of way. Okay, um, by any chance does the the protagonist does she fall into prostitution, which I find in my mind is in every Russian film. Mm, define prostitution. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so that that's a yes then. <laughs> she ends up, I guess, falling for somebody who... It's not exactly prostitution. It's more okay. kind of the expectations that are imposed upon young women in society. And sure, if they're going to move in with a young man, then... Okay, and that's not just in Russia, that's in general. Um, so that sounds like a barrel of laughs, um, little Vera <laughs> as well. So for my second choice today... Um, so you've gone very... Um, highbrow i'm going gutter level films that will that <laughs> won't really see the kind of uh, light of day in a, in a, in a that's in a okay i was going to suggest like a kid's spy show so <laughs> no, you to do instead of that you're going to do mi high right <laughs> mi because i've never seen mi high what's mi high about um it's about kids <laughs> mi9 agents in a kid's school so okay. they're like 15 year old spies and they go to the janitor's closet <laughs> to change clothes and okay. go on their secret missions and how similar is that to yelena um not very similar <laughs> okay so you have a choice though either watch am i nine or yelena am i high am i high which i quite like it kind of sounds like am i high <laughs> why am i watching this <laughs> you must have watched it when you were high i don't um, do that <laughs> So my second choice is a film called uh, Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1, um, which for those who know anything about um, kind of 
cult films, horror films, you will know the film company Troma. Um, they're one of the longest running independent um, film companies in the world. Actually, I think they are the longest. They've been around for like 40 odd years. Um, and it's run by a guy who's a bit of a hero to me called Lloyd Kaufman. And one of the first things they did was The Toxic Avenger. Um, are you, do you know what the Toxic, toxic Avenger is? I don't is? know what the Toxic Avenger is, Jed. Please it's, tell me. Uh, so the Toxic Avenger is about a guy who's kind of been bullied in high school um, and he's a janitor and then um, loads of toxic waste goes on him and he turns into like a big monster mutant superhero and he gets all the girls and fights the bullies. And it became so popular that it spawned a uh, an animated TV, sh- animated TV show which was shown on children's TV like in the 90s um, called The Toxic Crusader. Um, which I, I thoroughly recommend as well. It's on YouTube. But Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1, is the sequel to another to an 80s trauma film called Class of Newcomb High. Um, mm-hmm. And they're very, very similar. So the premise of uh, Return to Newcomb High is similar to Class of Newcomb High, where it's a group of school kids who get mutated through toxic waste, um, getting on them a lot of these films are based on toxic waste somehow accidentally falling on some kids and and turning turning them into creatures that are either good or bad but how in, do they how does the it, how, in how this does, particular film well how does it happen whether they're good or bad like what dictates whether the well kids i don't actually know i think if you have a, a, a evil tendencies to start with maybe that just um, amplifies it okay. so in this particular film it's the glee club um, that get toxic waste on them first, um, and they turn. Do in they turn good or bad? Bad um, into um, <laughs> these people called the cretins. It's. Re- I mean, I'm. I'm trying to explain this film, but it's really hard to explain what's going on because it's almost like a. It's a series of set pieces where. It, there's just weird deaths and people getting their penises chopped off and. Just really gross out kind of stuff happening. Um, but the reason why I really like this film and, and just trauma in general is because they have a knack of finding talent. Like, uh, do you know uh, the director, James Gunn? No. He sorry. did, um, the, the most recent thing he's done is Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I feel like I should have said yes to your previous yeah. question. <laughs> it's fine. So, I didn't see it, but I've definitely heard of it. Yeah, so he he he's now doing obviously massive Hollywood films, but he started off working for Troma, doing films for them, okay. being kind of an understudy for Lloyd Kaufman. And obviously he's, he's exceeded Lloyd's... Uh, work now but he does always call back to the trauma stuff and in Guardians of the galaxy uh lloyd kaufman does make a cameo in one of the scenes which is great and um so this particular film is has stars um, a great actress called asta parides um who that's a great name for an actress asta parides she really she sounds, is yeah she actually sounds like a star she she does yeah i'm sure i'm thinking of the word astrid um yeah. but she uh, she plays a teen lesbian which is a kind of a theme in, in trauma films as well. It's um, a lot of uh, teenage uh, lesbians uh, going on. And it's it's really kind of like a, a very, very softcore sex comedy um, where there's a lot of nudity, a lot of people getting killed in bizarre ways um, and, and uh, high school full of toxic waste, essentially. And the reason why there is toxic waste around is because there's this evil corporation, this food company, that I, I think they're making toxic waste for some reason. It's really hard to figure out. But Astaparides plays Christian, and she's kind of the main character who is a blogger who um, tries to uncover 
the reasons behind this, uh, all these weird goings on, um, and this evil kind of corporation is trying to trying to stop her in her tracks. Did she um, manage to in the end, or will that be a giveaway plot well, giveaway? Well, she has a lot of lesbian stuff to, to kind of do, and that, that takes up a lot of her time. So, uh, I mean, I don't want to spoil it. A little it. preoccupied. A little preoccupied, but there is um, a volume two of this coming out uh, quite soon. So hopefully the story will eventually resolve Finally itself. Be resolved. Yeah, because I really want to know what, what, what happens. Um, also, um, her boyfriend in, in, in the film is um, a guy called uh, Clayvon Karlowitz, who in real life has become her real life boyfriend. So it's really cute seeing them on Twitter, kind of like talking to each other um, based off this film. Um, and hopefully later on in this episode, we'll get to speak to them about this particular film because there's a lot to unpack. It's really hard to unpack it in a short space of time. But I thoroughly recommend not only Return to, to Newcomb High Volume 1, but also all trauma films. Start at um, Toxic Avenger, which again, all of these are available on YouTube. <laughs> or just go to trauma.com and you can uh, stream them legally, I'm sure. Um, and you may know uh, some other trauma films, which are Sergeant Kabuki Man, uh, Poultry Geist, um, as well as um, the aforementioned Toxic Avenger, parts one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And there's Tromeo and Juliet as well, which is a really good... Tromeo and Juliet. Tromeo and what Juliet. What a fantastic name. <laughs> which is which is a great trauma film. I mean, I mean, there's hundreds to choose from and they're all equally bizarre and, and brilliant. Cool. Um, another thing to mention about this film before I, we move on is there has a, they always have cameos in their films because everyone loves trauma. So Stan Lee, um, who is the guy who invented a multiple Marvel characters, um, it plays a narrator. Lemmy's in it. Lloyd Kaufman always makes cameos in, in his films too. And it's really great. And uh, one of the other good things about this is they use real practical special effects. So there's, I mean, CGI is expensive, so they try to do everything in camera. So all the, all the blood squirting out of people's breasts and penises being chopped off that's all done with practical effects it just looks better for it um, and also this film was um, made uh, through kickstarter so they rely they heavily rely actually recently on on the kindness of their fans to kind of make these bizarre films because what was the budget i think it's not very much i think it's only like a hundred grand or something okay. but that's enough that's more than enough to make a trauma film and lloyd kaufman has made like a hundred films on very very small budgets and he's released multiple books on how to make films for absolutely zero budget but he's, a, he's definitely a, a major influence in all the kind of stuff i do but just yeah. on that note you reminded me um very suddenly of this weird sex horror comedy i saw i mean right no you okay. don't want to see this one okay not because not because of the theme but because um it sounds really really good in concept okay but it's one of those films that's just so bad it's actually bad but it was called right. i know how many runs you scored last summer and it's a cricket based <laughs> oh, <a> cricket based parody <laughs> <horror> comedy <laughs> I want to see this immediately. This sounds amazing. This should have been one of your your picks. What's well, no, that's again? what I thought. I know many. Ha I know. I know how many runs you scored last summer. Amazing. No, it, like I said, it sounds great, but it's it's a waste of time. I'm so sorry. I don't know if that it, is a waste of time. I want that. I want that on VHS. Like, I'll show it to you. I'll give you. I'll give you my copy of it. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> um, we've just spent uh, the day looking at uh, 70s porn on VHS in in uh, secondhand shops. We did find some fantastic um, videos. Let me see if I can pull up some of the titles. I mean, a lot of them are just like girls' names, but like girls who grew up in like the 70s and the 80s, so they're like Margaret. The film is just called Margaret, um, and it's about her sexy adventures on a sofa. What other ones? Oh, this one was quite good. Um, this one was Stacked Full of Hot Crumpet. <laughs> 
um, and stacked is spelled incorrectly. <laughs> wow, okay. We're not suggesting you guys should um, go out and uh, try and find VHS porn, but um, so that's my second choice. Return to Newcomb High Volume 1, available in full on YouTube. I'm really sorry, uh, Lloyd Carefun, but there's no other place it's streaming unless you buy it. Uh, but please do buy it, actually. First of all, buy it. And if you can't, it's on YouTube.com. Um, what, Alida, what's your second choice today? Um, okay, I'll, I'm going to try and bring the time back up again, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> as little as I want to. Um, okay. Bill Cunningham, New York, was going to be my second choice okay. um, just because he died. He was one of the many people who died last year, June 2016. Um, mm -hmm. And I was immensely sad about that. Uh, the film itself was made in 2010. For those who don't know, he was a photographer for the New York Times for I don't know how long, Forever. several decades. Yeah. And he lived a very, very humble existence. And that was his vocation. That was his reason for living. And that was his hobby. Mm -hmm. That was his life. And the film was a fantastic biopic. It is great. I've seen it. It's a really good documentary. Yeah. What's, um, what would you say kind of like separates him from the other photographers out there? Like, why was he so good? And why was he kind of when he when he died, there was a massive kind of not an outcry, but there was a, a massive sense of loss from like the world? Well, a cynic would say because of the platform that he was on, obviously, he's a New York Times photographer yeah. and that's incredibly prestigious. But moving on from that, then it was just that it was... I think it was the incredible dedication to his craft. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't just something that he seemed to do on a daily basis and go home. He seemed to be everywhere, just wanting yeah. to work with the photography, work with the patterns. And I think that's part of it as well. He was such an incredible pattern spotter mm -hmm. and able to kind of draw links between things that he saw on an everyday basis. Yeah. Everyday Do you think scale. that's because he, he was out there with the real people and the only way you can kind of see what the the trends are is if you're out there kind of participating yourself and being out there in the public? Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, um, he's, yeah he, was, he was great. <laughs> what can you learn from just being inside all the time? I figure that's going to be a major part of the job. But that's but one of our, our, our kind of major dem demographics, our listeners, people who stay inside and watch films. <laughs> Oh dear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> when did this film come out? Sorry. It... That was in 2010. Yeah. There was. It also included some of the people that had been photographing. So um, there was a fantastic man called Chalapadia. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I don't know that word. He words. was a Nepalese diplomat. Okay. Um, I think he was a nuclear disarmament expert, but I'll probably have to fact check. Uh, I, I doubt um, you'll get anyone emailing in saying she got that <laughs> nuclear disarmament guy wrong, completely wrong. He's definitely Nepalese. Okay. Um, or he was Nepalese. He died as well, sadly. They He has this fantastic array of suits. Some of them have car logos on, um, some constructivist imagery. And there's one where he just, he's quite a short and like unassuming man. And he stares into the camera and with this completely deadpan face, <laughs> wearing this like brightly colored suit, goes... I made this one from my couch <laughs> and it's like it, the array of characters in the film is also fantastic but it's just it's wonderful to have a film focusing on such a dedicated photographer did this win any awards i feel like i feel like it should have done i yeah. can look it up oh it's okay i'm i'm sure it's i'm sure it must have won some kind of awards um, but that, that's, that's a really good choice. And where, if someone wanted to watch this based on um, your pick, um, where can they watch this? 
Um, I think you need to pay for it to stream it, but That's it's fine. on YouTube for £2.49 and on Google Play for £2.49 as well. Okay, that's not too bad. £2.49 to be entertained for, for 90 minutes. I would say it's well worth it, yes. Yeah, less than the price of a cup of coffee. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was a, a great choice. Come on to my last choice now, guys. And I'm, again, I'm bringing the tone down once more. But this hey. is actually um, a, quite a, uh, a horror film that has, it isn't so lowbrow. This is quite a high concept horror. This is the 2008 film uh, Pontypool. And whereas some of you out there who are kind of into this genre might think Pontypool, everyone knows Pontypool, but they really, really don't. And I I can see that they haven't because this only made £32,000 um, on initial release. It went out to the cinema and only made a very small amount of money. So essentially, it's almost like a failure. Um, I think it only f- kind of found its audience once it did go streaming. Uh, but this film, Pontypool, is uh, by a director called Bruce McDonald, who went on to do a film called Hedion, which is absolutely terrible. Avoid it um, as much as possible. This film is one of the best horror films I've seen in the last 10 years, I would say. And it's based on the Tony Burgess book, Pointy Pool Changes Everything. And it's a little bit, it's a zombie film, essentially, but it's not like your usual zombie film. It's not just uh, zombies going around, bite someone, and then they turn into a zombie. This is all about language. Again, this is about a DJ. So uh, Stephen McHattie plays a DJ at a radio station. He's a late night DJ. And he's locked in his kind of DJ booth. Um, and it's more like a talk radio thing where he's like talking out into the into the ether. And he kind of realises that something's happening on the outside He's hearing from the journals that go out and, and, and kind of like see what, what news is going around town. Finds out there's disturbances and riots in certain parts of their small town in Canada called Pontypool. And every now and again, this journalist checks back in with uh, with the DJ, in, in with Stephen McHattie in the studio about what's happening with the riots. And then you kind of realise um, that there's a zombie outbreak, essentially. And yeah, it isn't just about zombies going around biting people killing them and, and kind of ripping their their throats out the the virus is spread the through the english language so certain words uh-huh. trigger you turning into a zombie that's fascinating what are the words um you, you, do, you don't really know and i think it c- can change so because Sounds like a good game to play maybe yeah it really is well they, they kind of do some 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 tests and it, it isn't always the same same words i think different words affect different people but you know someone's affected because they start slurring their words and they start repeating words as well well maybe it's like that monty python sketch where they go into the police station and they all talk in different registers oh, to I don't understand know. one another Oh, okay. I'll show it to you afterwards. Okay, please do. Um, but yes, yeah, so the whole film is about um, language and how language can change um, people's perception of things and and, and turn them into, into other things. There's this um, um, incredible scene, and, and if it's this is the particular scene that made me think this is, is escalated it high above most of the other kind of horror films I watch. There's this one fil- um, part where there's a lady who comes to the studio who there's some affection there between her and the DJ. Ooh. and she asks him to kill her and there's this whole thing with the word kiss and kill um mm-hmm. and i don't want to spoil it because it's such a um, an emotional scene but um yeah it's just it's just refreshing to find a horror film that doesn't dwell on the the kind of 
the more the kind of the, the gore factor um, of zombies and more on the, how it's affected their brains and and why their brains have have kind of disintegrated. Um, I mean, it's really hard to explain. You've really got to watch it. And I mean, because it's based on on a novel, I think that's where a lot of the layers come from. But it's just great. And and Stephen McHattie is incredible as as the the DJ. He has a, has a deep voice, and his voice echoing through the kind of the Canadian road, empty roads, and uh, it, it's just just incredible. Um, I do. Which year did you say it was set in? Well, it's made in two thousand and eight. Okay. Um, I think it's set in the present day, but it's crying out for a sequel. And I think they were they were trying to make a sequel, but it's it's kind of never come to fruition i just think it's it's great and high concept horror is something that is few and far between i mean recently there's been things like it follows and and the babadook um but Pontypool was before those and and i think it's uh worthy of a of a pick on on what to watch on netflix this film is available on multiple streaming platforms um amazon prime and netflix uh, netflix uk netflix usa um so it's very easy to come come across this film I was going to ask, do you think it's anything to do with, I mean, the focus on language, could that be anything to do with the fact that Canada is a country that speaks both English and French? Maybe they're more aware Possibly. of the impact of language. That's, that's a good call, actually. Um, I'm not sure they address that in the film. If if French is potentially something that could, I don't know, but they do try and French figure out... French is the antidote. Yeah, well, they do try and figure out if certain words are the antidote, but I can't really remember if they ever um, had a resolution there. Um, but watch this and, and remind me. So um, that's Pontypool 2008, directed by Bruce MacDonald. I think it's an incredible um, horror film, um, or film of any genre, really. That sounds great. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Please do. And what is your final pick well i'm going to stay in northish north america for this one yeah um alaska to be specific uh-huh. and i'm going to go with northern exposure which is not sadly available on any platforms we found out shortly before yes. i came here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um I, I i absolutely adore this show it used to be on on sky box office so i'm not sure it is anymore it's absolutely beautiful it's really really slow paced really wry really really funny but not in the side splitting obnoxious or satirical way but rather it's just it's more subtle charming and and subtle beautiful really really beautiful see the reason the the way i got into this was because i heard that it was had a similar vibe to to twin peaks Uh um so i was like okay cool i'm in um and, and yeah, I guess there are some similarities to Twin Peaks. And there's one episode in particular that I remember that parodied Twin Peaks. And it had like the, um, it had like a deer, like alone in, in the street. And it had like the traffic lights kind of blinking um, silently in the dark. Um, and yeah, I mean, the the, char- the characters in this have similarity to the characters kind of from a small town in, in Twin Peaks. Um, and I just, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people forget about. They remember shows like X-Files, which is around the same time, but... So yeah, it was made in 1990 to 1995. I think those yeah. were the years that it ran. Um, but sorry, you were saying I was just throwing yeah, I was just, the I was years just, we hadn't mentioned like when it was available yet. Yeah, and it, I just feel like um, it was one of those shows that was very popular at the time. Um, I can remember like my parents watching this. Um, I can remember like teachers in school talking about it, like it was some kind of like um, hidden gem. Um, and then when I finally got around to watching it, um, I, I was just blown away at just how it puts you like in a good mood. It's just a sense of like I mean, nothing major ever happens in it. 
it's but it it's it's great and it also has a dj in it um which is similar to pontypool um so if anyone hasn't watched it before what exactly is northern exposure about so it's about a doctor from new york um and in order to pay for his graduate education so in order to pay for med school then he agrees to take up a job in like the backwaters of alaska sounds a bit far-fetched but like i'm (laughs) (laughs) I think at least that's the vague premise. It has been a while since I've watched it. But yeah. yeah. But it's actually similar to, to you going to kind of a far off cold place to kind of get work. <laughs> that wasn't the exact reason for going, but <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> also considerably less calm. True. Um, <laughs> but it's trying to cope as a city doctor um, in a small town in Alaska. A fish out of the, water type story. Exactly classic fish out of water type story yeah having to deal with the grievances of the locals um, small towners when you're from the big city yeah and i guess also having to deal with differences in technological advancement because from what i remember then that's he true yeah has to he doesn't he doesn't have the same access to yeah, the technology he's like, where's the cat scan machine have, yeah. where's this and he has to do everything like analog um but yeah it's incredibly beautiful the scenery is just stunning yeah um I wonder how it affected tourism. I bet I bet it was a real boon uh, to the tourism industry. I think the town Alaska. itself was fictional, from what I remember. It, it must have filmed place, it somewhere, but... though, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those shows, a bit like Twin Peaks, which has kind of made me want to go to that kind of area of America, because I go to, over to America quite a lot. But I always seem to go to the same places, New York, LA, Vegas, etc. But like, watch after watching these like small town TV shows, it makes me want to visit, makes me want to visit, basically, just to see another part of America. Yeah, that's a great choice. And um, where can people check this out? buy the box set you can't stream it anywhere i'm very very sorry <laughs> uh, though we did see it is available every episode is available in a couple of places uh youtube and daily motion every episode is available oh really yeah i'm so sorry i know it's it's fine yeah uh, every episode is available but um obviously they're not legal streams so there you go um that is the three choices from you and three choices from me and that is what to watch on netflix now i'm going to end the show by speaking to asta paredes from uh, return to newcomb high 2 and try to discover exactly why they did this film and what uh, return to newcomb high 2 will involve thanks very much to alina Naila. where can we find you if we wanted to find you on social networks um i i'm not very good at social media but i guess <laughs> i am on twitter at Alida underscore N, which is... Can you spell your name? Because people will never be able to. Uh, A-L-I-I-D-E. Do you remember when I first met you the very first time and I said, oh, I can't remember, but I tried to spell your name. No, I said to you, I bet you... I think I tried to make you guess. Oh, that's right. And you couldn't because obviously no one can guess. You have like a million name. different like <laughs> vowels in the middle of your name. Um, and are you one on Facebook or anything like that or Instagram or anything? Nope. Okay. Again, well, not good at social just media. Just Twitter then. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jed Shepherd, J E D S H E P H E R D. Go to postpoprecords.com to check out my record label, uh, postpoppodcast.com to check out other podcasts because um, I do some other good podcasts. Um, you do. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so thanks very much for listening to this episode of What to Watch on Netflix. Just to give you a quick rundown of the things that we recommended, it was Times Square, Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1, and Pontypool. And yours, Alida? Yelena by Andres Zviagintsev. Zviagintsev. Andres Zviagintsev. Elena by... Easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> Elena by Andres Zviagintsev. 
from 2012, Bill Cunningham, New York from 2010. And the last one was Northern Exposure. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks very much. Um, I will do a mini episode discussing those picks and what I thought of them upon rewatching. Thanks very much for listening and I'll see you next time. Thank you for having me, Jed. Bye. Now I'm about to talk to Asta Paredes. I'm just about to give her a call. She's over in New York. I keep getting all the time zones wrong. Um, she told me to call her at 5 p.m. her time, and I completely missed that. So uh, let's give this a shot now. Hey. Hey, Asta, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. One of my choices, uh, obviously, was a Return to Newcomb High volume one just to get kind of the easy questions out of the way first what what possessed you to be involved with this particular film well um i'd say that uh, i mean when you're an actor in new york city and in my case the year that i worked on that was about four and a half five years ago uh-huh. um i was just submitting myself for a bunch of different projects through online databases and uh Troma has a very extensive auditioning process. So in that time, I it was a courtship. So I got to delve further into what I was getting into more specifically. Um, ultimately leading to, you know, several callbacks over a period of a month and a half and, you know, getting to know everybody. And at the end of the day, it was my first major, first film experience. And, uh, I had written a list of things I wanted to do as an actress like the month prior. And one of the things on the list was star in a cult classic film. Amazing. <laughs> and I couldn't think of anything more fitting than to be in something where I had to explain the uh, social significance through like goo and gore and <laughs> to my parents like oh no it, 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 trust me in like 20 years people understand why i did this yeah i mean um, it, I, f- I find it really hard to describe uh, or to explain a trauma film t- to anyone even to, to horror fans or genre fans it is really hard to kind of get a kind of a, a synopsis of what each film is about and I, I i found it quite hard to explain exactly what uh return to Nikon high volume one is about i mean there's the obvious kind of storyline with the with the kind of corrupt yeah. company. What would you what would you say in a nutshell if if you were kind of hard pushed to to kind of explain it to to a person who's never seen a trauma film before? Who, uh, which a lot of people who are hearing this right now will not know trauma. They won't know um, uh, any of the kind of callbacks to, to other films. How would you explain this film? I'd say that the way that I've grappled with explaining trauma films to people, um, especially those who are uh, more in the cinephile category like I am. Uh, I would say it's like a visceral kaleidoscope reaction to what's going on in the world at the time. So, you know, basically uh, trauma in this case was asked, uh, Lloyd Kaufman was asked to revisit uh, class of Newcomb High, revisit a franchise. And so he goes, all right, there's the basic concept. And then let me look at all of the social um, issues going on right now. So we obviously food is a major issue, Lloyd. Um, 
and <laughs> you know internet and yeah and social um you know uh lgbt rights all those things and they just you just throw it in a kaleidoscope and you re and people when they watch these films they they react viscerally they cringe they they scream they they get excited uh yeah it's it's not not too many films that do that but it's meant to elicit a reaction you're right. I mean, there are, there are a lot of films that possibly make a lot more money or are, are more critically renowned, but um, trauma films specifically do create reactions. They they do kind of uh, make people feel things, and I think that's kind of a lost art in, in films nowadays. Um, do you mm-hmm. feel like your time um, on this particular film has almost spoiled you for other films, I'm guessing that the experience on the trauma film is unlike an experience on any other film set. If you run through a, kind of a, a normal day being on the set of of Return to Newcomb High, in my mind, it's like a kind of a crazy whirlwind of of slime and um, <laughs> people running around with with with, with half cocked weapons. What what kind of what um what what's it like being on set? Um, I think I think uh, that mostly has to do with what your role is. In the production, um, you know, if in my case as an actress, um, I, you know, you, I'd wake up, it's like waking up on a campsite, you know, and <laughs> you just kind of make yourself a, um, you know, your cozy atmosphere, you come up with your routines, but you're kind of put into this commune with uh, people who are excited to make art. So, whether you're talking about the day that's about to come, you know, whatever you're about to shoot or about other cool movies or things that you, why you're here um, or the bizarre set of circumstances in which you uh, showed up. I mean, some people just showed up. They had nothing to do with the audition. They just showed up. Um, But I mean, yeah. And, and you just go on set and what I, what I love, which, like you put aptly spoiled me. Um, and now I'm, you know, on the start of making my own movies actually is that, yeah, you, uh, you basically learn to, uh, go through baptism by fire. You get thrown into situations that are seem impossibly wrong and then you learn to fix them. And, it empowers you with the knowledge of how films can and should be made. And if you have an artistic perspective um, and you, um, you get ideas and then you, um, you go, well, uh, I can do that. So, you know, I, I think I would not have ever considered myself someone that could make a movie had I not experienced a bunch of different things go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> learn to fix them <laughs> do you think uh, being around uh, lloyd um is um in well to me like lloyd is a hero in 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 many for many reasons um he's made multiple of, of my favorite movies of all time mm-hmm. he um is out there trying to help people make their own films and get their kind of um, their star in films. He his influence is so far reaching. You can see uh, trauma influence in 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 so many other films. And obviously, the the personnel involved with with previous films have gone on to do incredible things. Um, how is being around a master of the genre, someone who knows everything about what he's doing, um, in total control, well, seemingly total totally in control? What's it like being around him? Does does he? like encourage you like uh, as you go along 
Um, I know that uh, he he uh, he hasn't a blanket way of approaching um, everybody. And then once he sees the way you react to his direction um, or instruction, then he kind of adapts to you. Um, so for me, for instance, like I, uh, I tend to butt heads with authority figures. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I noticed that I, uh, you know, he and I butted heads on a couple of things creatively at the onset. Um, but what, then what, what, we, for instance? um, uh, a certain twist that he wanted to put in the, and I, and honestly, since I, it was split, it was two volumes. Uh -huh. He wanted to end the entire story a certain way. And, um, given my sensitivity to the, uh, the beautiful love between, uh, Lauren and Chrissy, I just thought it was like a cheap shot. Right. Um, but you know, he, he took it to heart and I think he responds to you being passionate about something. Um, for instance, um, my now husband, um, he played Eugene, uh, Clay mm -hmm. and like the week before we filmed, um, Lloyd decided that he wanted all of, if not most of the characters to have references to Saved by the Bell. That's so, amazing. Right, okay. So he wanted to change Eugene's name to something else. Zach. And Clay had hold, held on tight to that name to the point where he would wear socks that said Eugene, like to rehearsals and things like that. So I think I think sometimes he makes decisions um, that are impulsive but inspired. But if you have a reason against it um, and you're passionate for it, then he lets it go. I would love to see oh. him direct a, a Saved by the Bell movie. It, that <laughs> yeah. would be great. That would be great. But but that's that's what I mean. Like if you're passionate about something and and uh, you feel right about it and you can justify it, then he he stands by you, you know. And otherwise, he's just trying to he just he just wants to try things out, you know. Yeah. And that's what's really exciting about working with him is he'll have an idea, but if you have an idea that you know, doesn't gel with that. He'll be like, oh, okay, well, fine. Let's do this though. I mean, and you have great. to make concessions because he's the auteur. He's not simply a director. He, he has, um, he's known for things. Yeah. So you have to give in to his artistic vision. Yeah. And his artistic vision is unlike any, any others I've ever seen or come across. Um, so you, uh, you, you touched on uh, meeting your husband on on, on set. That's great. I, I didn't realize you guys got married. So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> so how did you know each other before before the film, or did you did you? Oh, just... uh, we he met. We met when he auditioned to play Eugene. Okay. And then you just hit it <laughs> off, and because I mean, obviously in the film there is some chemistry, but um, you wouldn't. You wouldn't um, I mean, I guess you get a lot of kind of on-set romances, but what made him the particular person that you kind of was drawn to? I mean, what's funny is that we we had to sign a no fraternizing clause. No way, Troma has so, that. No clause. <laughs> yeah, we were. You are not allowed to date or hook up on set, so we actually became very fierce friends. <laughs> And then once we um, could not, you know, we had to be a little secretive about it with yeah. the help of some days and 
and good friends. But then, but then, you know, I remember the day I came on set and told Lloyd, like, listen, I can't, I'm dating him. Please don't fire either of us. <laughs> like, but, uh, it's, I mean, the thing is we took it very seriously yeah. and we're very professional. And, um, I mean, now we work together, um, creating, art and we met because we were both very similar um surprisingly but somehow also ended up in this trauma verse and it makes you be yourself when you're put in these extreme circumstances yeah. and so you can't help if someone else is being their self and you fancy them then you just hit it off you know do you feel it's a little bit like um, one of those situations where, almost like a hostage situation, where because because you're in this weird predicament together, when you're outside of the predicament, it, it, it brings you closer. I'm not saying Lloyd has uh, kidnapped you guys or is a, <laughs> is, a, is a physical threat or anything, but um, do you find that being in such, such a unique situation, um, because no one makes films like this? Um, I, I wouldn't say so in our case. Um, it's funny because he, my husband and I have actually mapped out many different instances in which we very much could have met. We both studied in London, um, acting at the same time. We both, we, we had many, but I think it's great that we met the way we did because I uh, certainly wasn't looking for that. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, we, we, have, we have traveled with the film together. We have worked a lot together, but we've also made memories of our own and work of our own and uh, in more time than, than we were involved in that film. So That's great. And it's, we- it's a good way to meet people. It's, it's also you have to learn the, the trappings of what can happen because I certainly know people who have had onset romances that didn't work out yeah. because they realized that part of the excitement was being part of that. But if you find that the person is more exciting than any experience, then, you know, it, it keeps advice, going. Yeah. Um, but uh, you're doing it all again with uh, Return to Newcomb High Volume 2. Uh, is that, that Yeah. Lloyd just announced that it's officially finished, I believe. I, I have said those words before, so I... <laughs> I'm not sure. And is there anything you can kind of, I mean, obviously it continues the, the, the story. Is there anything um, that hasn't been revealed yet that you can kind of give us a hint on? Like, what is it going to be a, a specific set piece that you're looking forward to the most? Um, I will say that I have seen like a couple different versions of it. So oh, I know okay. they've added things. I, who knows? But I will say that, um, uh, especially given my heartstrings lately, I'm a, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. Okay, uh, right. <laughs> and uh, I will say that it was very hard for me this past holiday because I found I've been going through a lot of cold photos from Volume Two, and I there is a Bollywood dance number, and I did purposefully recreate the uh, Return to, uh, Return of the Jedi bra- unbraided Ewok, you know, Endor look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I have like, I have, I have, uh, influences from the Skywalker family in my, in my characterization in volume two that I'm excited to see everybody discover. There, there is a, there is a, uh, Empire Strikes Back references yeah. that will, that will ring true. Um, you know, a lot of father issues for Chrissy in volume two. <laughs> Um, <laughs> are there um, any interesting cameos um, in this particular one? There was. Uh, 
Oh, I mean, um, every every video game nerd is in it. Um, okay, right. Lemmy will finish out his cameo. Okay, good. So, um, and so will uh, Peter Parker, aka Stan Lee. Amazing. Um, is he the narrator? Okay. Yes. <laughs> and some other people that I know are very exciting, but I am unaware of who they are, so I cannot convey the excitement. But I'm, but there are people. And there are, I know that that's part of the reason why it's been delayed is to um, take into effect all the amazing cameos that they're added. I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of callbacks to, to previous films. Just looking at the cast list and I can see um, someone's listed as uh, Toxic Avenger. So Toxie's in it. Sergeant Kabuki mm-hmm. Man's in it. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm just looking forward I'm to I'm sure it. that oh. famous car scene might make it. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Um, so you said like you've um, since uh, you've worked with Lloyd, you've kind of it's inspired you to to do your own stuff. What what are you working on? What do we have to look forward to coming from yourself? Well, um, so last year um, was a bit of an incubation year. I did a couple of projects that will be coming out probably within the next year, year and a half. Um, but I've been also working. Um, I'm directing a short film soon. Um, so that's exciting uh, from a screenplay that I wrote and I'm um, developing and shooting if all goes to plan um, this summer, a feature length action thriller that my husband wrote as a uh, anniversary gift to me. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm also meant to star in it. I, he wrote the role for me and I remember telling him, this is a great script this is a great role. I really want to direct it, though. I will give up the role if you don't think I can do both. And do both. And he said, "You can do both." Are you kidding? So. Lloyd is in all of his films, and he and he also directs. So if he can do it, you yeah, can do it, yeah, so. yeah. So so a big part of it has been, you know, um, the project is called Moniker. A big part of it is that uh, the incubation has been that I have to balance both. So I've been balancing both the acting responsibilities and preparing to direct a feature. So that's, you know, a lot to handle, but I'm trying to do both and spread it out um, so that I can do both well. Um, (laughs) I'm excited. Um, And uh, as this show is about uh, recommendations, is there anything that you've come across being in in the kind of like trauma bubble that you've been in uh, for a number of years now? Is there anything you've come across that you'd feel might be interesting or a film that's underrated or underseen that you think might might be um, interesting to, to recommend to people? Yeah, actually, I was going to comment. I saw that you recently recommended Night of the Comet, and that is one of my all-time favorites. Um, if there, yeah, if there were to be a remake, I would not know. If I were to be cast in that, I would not know which role because both ladies are fantastic. Well, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm currently doing stuff in film as well, and... Um, I'm at Sundance in a couple of weeks with with a film that I did. But the film that we bring to Sundance is called Dawn of the Deaf. It, um, and when you see, when you get a chance to see it, it is basically mm-hmm. Night of the Comet. It's it's Night of the Comet, yeah. but because it's a, but it's a, about a sound that kills everyone. Instead of a comet, it's a sound that kills everyone. Um, and then it's, a, it's a, some girls that kind of survive, and they're all deaf because they didn't hear the sound. So the survivors are deaf people and all of the hearing people have turned into zombies. And there is a lot of similarities to Dawn of the Deaf. Um, so I did, didn't rip it off. Um, I mean, there are... No, no, no. 
I mean, but that, that sounds really great. That kind of reminds me, I recently, so I've been um, funding a lot of different um, projects lately. Uh, I'm a Seed and Spark um, monthly producer, so every month I choose something. And there was this, uh, it's a project to look out for, but it's called um, Follow the Leader. And the concept um, is that a, a few men, each missing a different major sense, like sight, hearing, um, touch, they all have to band together to figure out why they've been thrown into this abandoned mall. That sounds amazing. Yeah, you should check it out. It's called Follow the Leader. And I, I, I funded it, and they think that they got their their um, their goal, yeah. but they're they're going to shoot it in an abandoned mall, and there's something, something sci-fi going on, but you discover it through the perspective of each of the main characters. So you either just hear things or you just see things. This is awesome. And I think that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> it really, really is. Um, wow. Okay, I'll, I will definitely check that out. F follow the leader. Yeah. Um, so that will probably come out sometime later this year or maybe next, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, but as far as recommendations, there's been a lot of um, – I've been obviously like pouring over films for my own inspiration this past year. Uh -huh. um, but I will say that I have been noticing that there's a lot of films that have been made very recently that haven't gotten – like as much critic appraisal that I thought they should have, like okay. um, Christine with Rebecca Hall. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I am shocked that she has gotten like only Independent Spirit Awards, like n n like no other nominations whatsoever have even. Maybe. Do like, think, do you think it's because it's it's kind of depressing? Um. Um. Perhaps, but like I I recently and I and I. I change my mind about this every hour on the hour since I saw it. Okay. I recently saw La La Land and I was like, what the hell? I've seen it. Okay. Like, I don't know. I just think that sometimes films, films should, um, if you're going to make new art and it's not going to be satire, which I feel is timeless for the most part, um, then you have to reflect the time, you know, and it's more of a throwback. Than... I think La La I think La La Land is garbage. <laughs> but I think it's but I think it's beautiful garbage. I think it's I think there's so many things. I won't say anything further till I've till you've seen it, okay, but great. it's it's good and bad at the same time. But I just when that gets more attention than something that I think was so well executed like Christine, um ugh, it just drives me crazy. Are, are but an, another movie of uh, the uh the invitation. It's great, yeah. It's, it's I film. wish it, I, I, I hate it because I'll regret it if it, if it actually happens, but it, it so has sequel material like written all over it. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> but if it happens, I'll probably be like, God damn. Yeah. You need to work your way into that. You need to be in a sequel if there is one. You need to. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was, it was great. And that's, what, and that's also um, currently on Netflix. So that's one that people out there can check out straight away. The one I love is one of the best surprise movies that people should know about the one i love yes is it, does it star mark duplass yes it does and elizabeth moss oh right okay it's um directed by charlie mcdowell right um you may know him he's like you may not know him actually he hasn't done too much but he but it's a very it's one of those movies that if if you hadn't had it recommended to you, you might not watch, but when you watch it, you'll be so surprised. And it's called The One I Love. The One I Love. What's the, what's the rough kind of synopsis of it? Well, I would say the rough synopsis, 
is a, a couple that decides to go on kind of a marriage uh, marriage counseling retreat of some sort. Um, they've heard that it works, and they go there, and they discover that the reason it works is a little. Um, it's interesting. Okay. And it's a little spoiler. scary. Ah. But it, yeah, I won't say anything further, but it's it's one of those movies that halfway through you're like, whoa, this is a sci-fi movie? I thought this was Mumblecore. Oh, great, great, great. Because Mark Duplassus yeah. has been doing some kind of like strange movies. There's that one where he's a, he plays a stalker as well. Yeah, uh, Creep. Creep, that's the one, yeah. So he, he's doing some really interesting stuff. Yeah, this this one is one of my favorites and it it solidified my love for Elizabeth Moss which is why I'm so excited for Handmaid's Tale coming up in yes, I need to watch that, April. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's that one I definitely, I highly recommended. I watched it twice in a 48-hour period. <laughs> wow. Like, it is on Netflix. It's on Netflix UK. and It is on Netflix. USA, yes. So it's still on multiple uh, region Netflix. So it, yeah, it's called The One I Love. Um, and the poster is uh, Elizabeth Moss, Moss and uh, Mark Duplass in front of kind of a, a sea scene. There's like a, um, a river behind them or something? Or the sea behind yeah, them? Yeah, a pool. A pool, right. Um, okay, that's definitely one uh, I can check out. Um, any others? Or I mean, you've given us loads. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually, um, I don't know how popular it is there because it's, uh, it's, it's from across the pond, but Sing Street was really good. It's I recently saw that. It's amazing. An amazing film. So good. Yeah. So good. And the songs are just like, just beautiful and like i mean i'm not a very emotional person but that kind of film kind of gets to me and um, by the end i was I was quite emotional um yeah that and it brought me back to the commitments which yeah. remind, i don't know if you've seen that I've seen the commitments it's very much like the commitments yeah yeah um, <laughs> a younger a younger generation version yeah it is great and it's the way it kind of changed time periods and uh, for the different styles of music and, and the clothes change yeah it's 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 really good what um did you like the the film that the director did before that once? Um, his first once, yeah. yes, I, I I love that, and I've also I also saw it on Broadway. Oh, oh um, right, okay, yeah. Which was kind of weird because they set it here. Yeah, of all places, did it work? and that was. Kind of, eh, eh. My husband took me to see it, and we love the music, so that's yeah. all. <laughs> it is, amazing but the film music. works so well. Yeah. Um, well, Asta, thanks very much for, for talking to me today. Yeah. Um, we'll have you on another show at some point. Um, and you can totally. uh, talk about, uh, hopefully your film will be out by then or in production and you can talk about, about that. Um, yeah. yeah. So thanks for joining. Um, if anyone wants to contact you on social networks or see what you're up to, how can they find you? Um, it'll be under my um, stage name now, since I am a Mrs. Von Karlowitz. Um, That's a great but it'll be. <laughs> At Asta Paredes, so A S T A P A R E D E S. So for everything, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, but yeah, that's that's all we have to. And I'm also uh, also co-work the abandoned house productions pages, um, and that's where a lot of the updates for my uh, specifically creative projects will be soon. Thanks very much, Asta. Mm -hmm. um, I'll, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, have a great one. Thank you. Thank you.